Hello to our beautiful listeners. It's Mel here. This is not an ad. <laughs> More of a an embarrassing note, I think you could say. Um, you will notice when we're introducing this episode in a minute or so that we are all like, hey, we've never done an episode about gluten before. Here it is. <laughs> and then about a week later, I was editing and I thought, do you know what? I think I've actually edited an episode like this before. And I looked back and sure enough, (laughs) episode 10, to gluten or not to gluten. So this might seem like a repeat episode and we might sound very silly in a minute when we're like, we've never done this before. Um, But look, we've decided to go ahead with it anyway because we've changed a lot since episode 10. We're definitely in different places than we were with gluten. We have more thoughts about it and it's more relevant than ever for us. So we've decided to go ahead with it and um, just wanted to let you guys know that we know, (laughs) we know that we've done this twice now, but enjoy it nonetheless. Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warren, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas. And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal. And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it, basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS, and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the PCOS Girls podcast. I'm Mel and I'm here with Bridge. Hi. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week we're talking all about gluten and gluten and PCOS. Oh my gosh. It's just such a hot topic. How yeah. have we avoided it for three years? <laughs> well, I feel like we've sort of talked about it like within other episodes. Yes. We've never like dedicated an entire episode. Or maybe we have, but I don't think we have. <laughs> we're going to hope not. <laughs> we're going to hope not. But also like my um, journey with gluten has definitely changed over the last mm. couple of years. So even if we have spoken about it, I feel like it would have probably changed for me. So I feel True. that could be interesting anyway. But yeah, my gosh, like I think the, yeah, gluten and PCOS worlds, it's like a real controversial topic, Yeah, right? Definitely. Crazy. And I feel like our opinion, maybe it's controversial. Mm. I feel like it's not, but maybe it is. Mm. I don't know. Anyway. Do you think? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Soon find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but first of all, let's, you know, catch up. How have you been? <laughs> good. Very good. Let's just add that so sexy then. Let's uh, catch up. Um, really good. So you already know the smell, but okay. Jesse and I went out for the first time mm-hmm. since having Willa at night, <laughs> uh, which was wild. It was the first time we've like left her with my parents. Like we didn't just leave her by herself. She was being looked after. Uh, but yeah, we put it like she, my, I was actually there, but I helped like put her down with my mum so that oh, my yeah. mum could like sort of be there whilst I put it down because my biggest fear was that she was going to wake up and she's never woken up and not had like Jessie and I there 
Mm, do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. So I was like, oh my gosh, she'll wake up and they'll be like, not that my mom's a, my mum or dad are strangers, but like she wouldn't be expecting it. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. come a few hours early and like just be around <laughs> her. And obviously you say put Flynn down as well, but that's a lot easier because he spends a lot of time with them. But yeah, anyway, so we went and she took ages to go down though. We were meant to be there at seven. I don't think we got there till like quarter past eight or something. It was oh, just a no. friend's birthday party. Um, but she was just wired because I feel like she was picking up on all the like nervous energy from me (laughs) she's like what's happening what's happening (laughs) like FOMO central so um anyway she's like you're nervous should I be nervous yeah like what's going on (laughs) um anyway so we finally got her down and then I also did the dumbest thing and I've never done this before (laughs) I so we have like cameras that you can link to your phone you know like monitors I have never ever in the whole like Flynn is nearly four. I have never, ever put the monitors on on my phone because I'm just like, it's fine. I don't, you know, we're all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can just look at the actual monitor screen, you know. I don't need to mm-hmm. connect it to my phone for any reason. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to connect it to my phone so that when I'm out, like, I can just make sure everything's okay. <laughs> Dumbest thing I ever did because I spent the whole night just like, Every time it said notification, like, there's this noise. I was like, oh, my God, she's awake, she's awake, we've got to go home, we've got to go home. Oh, but she would just no. be, like, moving in her bed and I would oh. then text mum be like, is she awake, is she awake, is she awake? <laughs> mum's like, no, she's asleep, it was fine, just stop annoying us. Oh, my God. But it was so fun. Like, finally, once we got out and I had a drink, I don't ever really drink, so, like, it was really nice just to have a wine, um, even though I'm breastfeeding. So I was like, I have to come home and breastfeed anyway, so I can't, like, you know, drink it much anyway. But, um. Yeah, we just was nice to be out. We got dressed up. We were together without children attached and we were with, like, adults. <laughs> and it was just so nice. And I've forgotten it. And Jesse and I were both, like, we've forgotten what it's like to just go out with the two of us and, mm. and be in, like, an adult situation where it's just adults. There's no other kids running around. Like, mm. it's – so it was quite – um it was really nice just to, like, feel that feeling again. And then – it got to like 11.30 and I was like, you know what, we should just go home now because I have a feeling she's going to wake up. And then we literally drove all the way home and she woke up as we drove through, like into the driveway, oh <laughs> which I'm God. just like, what the <laughs> hell, like six cents or like did we jinx it? What happened? Anyway, it was so- totally fine. And I got to feed her and put her back to bed and then we slept. It was great. It was a good night. Oh, that's really exciting. Do you feel like you'll be able to do it a bit more now? Like. I feel a lot more relaxed about it now. Yeah. Yes, I feel like yeah. once you've done that one first time, you're sort yeah. of like, well, what's, and in my head as well. And I do think I'm a, b- a lot more lax with Willow than I was with Flynn. But, um, mm. I, I also was like, okay, worst case scenario, she wakes up, she's not happy. I'm like, just get her up and play with her. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, with totally. Flynn, I would be like, no, you have to keep trying to put him down. You have to persist. Like, <laughs> don't oh take God. him out of the dark room. <laughs> <laughs> I so relate to that. I think that's it. Like the second time around, it's like you, you're more okay with how, like, how they feel and yeah. what they want to do, and it's yeah. just sort of more. I think it's yeah, more, you, you know, like, relax. what's the worst that could happen? Like, they wake up. That's right. Like, I used to be so afraid of Koji being upset about something and yeah, crying. Yeah, yeah. But now I'm like, if Elma cries, like, I care. It's also okay. <laughs> it's also okay for it's her okay. to be sad. Totally, like, and you know okay. they're safe. You know they're fine. Like yep. they're getting looked after. They'll be. Yep. They'll be fine. I do think that that was a big, and also I guess really different 
with Flynn and Willa in that when we were living in Sydney and we I had Flynn, like I had no family, no help, no anything. So mm-hmm. he was, and Jesse was at work, like in the office full time. And so like, you know, it was literally just me and Flynn 24 seven. So I had this mm-hmm. extreme attachment to him. Yeah. Whereas like, obviously since moving down here, Jesse's working from home more, you know, mm-hmm. my parents live around the corner. They've spent a lot of time with her throughout, you know, just here and there and every week there's over or whatever so I just feel like she's used to more people she's yeah. and I'm a lot more chill about it anyway so it was really fun the moral of the story is I went out I got dressed <laughs> and I was like an adult without children yeah. it was great honestly the photos you guys looked so happy it was so cute we were so happy I was like mom take a photo of me <laughs> anyway what's news with you um well just well Elma she <laughs> She's like basically discovered that the uh, the whole concept of mine, <laughs> mine, yeah, right. And we didn't realize that's what it was at first, but yeah. So she's just like a flick of a switch, just became super possessive oh. and um, aggressive. <laughs> So basically, okay, we spoke last Monday and we were going trick-or-treating, remember? We were talking about that. Oh, my gosh, yes. So we did that and we let Elma have lollies, which we've never let her have, like, lollies. Mistake number one. Oh, dude. I don't know why we did it. It was, I don't know, just second child. Yeah, you don't care as much. (laughs) Yeah, you don't. (laughs) Um, And so we thought, because then she just went, really loopy for the next couple of days and we thought okay it's the sugar and I do think it had something to do with it but I also think it coincided with her like having the developmental leap of mine understanding that she can own something and something can be hers or someone else's and she wants it she wants it to be hers and so yeah Wednesday she went to daycare and um yeah when I picked her up in the afternoon I was like oh how was she how was her day and her carer was like oh yeah she had a good day but uh she's been hurting all the children (gasps) I was like why and she's like yeah like um if one of them was like holding a toy that she wanted she would just come over push them over take the toy and say mine oh my gosh (laughs) and she's the sweetest little girl so this was like a real big thing although she is a hair puller but only to koji so she is she does do that (laughs) yeah um but i was shocked i'd never seen her do that but Oh, yeah, then she started like curve. if Koji's like like okay, the other morning she um Koji like went full effort and made himself like a snow cone. <laughs> he oh. like we crushed I helped him crush the ice. We crushed the ice with like a you know, rolling pin, like smashed it all up. He like squeezed all the lemon, he got sugar, he made this like lemon snow cone for himself that's so and cute he, it was so cute and then he sat down on the mat he was just sitting there like he was on his belly with it in front of him he was just loving it like just in, just enjoying himself so much and Elma came along and she wanted to have some and he said no and so she grabbed it and threw it oh. and his hot and it was the last of our ice we couldn't make another one oh. it was so sad oh. and he was so sad and he was sitting in my oh. lap like so I was like cuddling him like comforting him and <laughs> Elma was just like mine about my lap oh my god <laughs> like that's her spot to see it and yeah so oh. that's been happening that's been my week where I'm like okay my little baby is really not a baby anymore like fully seriously not a baby anymore <laughs> and we're entering into 
you know, the whole world of toddlerhood, like totally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like as soon as there's any kind of attitude, I'm like, oh, okay, toddler. She is yeah. a toddler. That's right. <laughs> Wild. Like that um, is, but, yeah. do you know what's so crazy is like we still to this day have not had any of that with Flynn and he's nearly four oh and he's never had a tantrum. He's never, And I'm just like, oh, my. <laughs> but I'm like, I've take, taken such pride in that being like I created an angel. Like <laughs> this is me. And then already with Willa, I can see like you, you like the other day if it was in the bath with Willa and he took she she had like a like a little cup in her hand and he took it and she was screaming like screaming <laughs> and he just like threw it back to her and was like oh my god like, I'm sorry and she stopped crying and I was like oh wow like this is yeah. she is gonna be oh, I just <laughs> I love her so much her like feistiness is yeah. the best but like she's gonna be the death of me 100% <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're unprepared because I'm sounds unprepared. like Flynn is a saint oh my oh, god he, but he is and that's why I was like but it's me like I I did it so my next child will be the same and now I'm like oh man it's definitely not me <laughs> well I think I've got this issue where Alma has been like Koji well Koji was a very easy baby and everything mm. but then he leapt off he leapt off at three so mm. you're going so well for Flynn to be three and a half and it's all going well it could still um, come you never know. <laughs> he really leapt off at three and it was so wild for me and then Elma came along and she's just been so easy. Yeah. She's been so easy. And I have had in the back of my mind, don't get too attached to this idea because she hasn't even hit two yet. Mm. And um, so, yeah, this is just like a bit of this week's been a like reality check. Like I am going to have a two-year-old and a three-year-old and a four-year-old and a five-year-old who, you know. I know. You know. They have like things feelings, happen. yeah. Yeah, they have feelings. <laughs> They're a child. Uh, yeah, so oh. that's really been my week. And other than that, just, well, yeah, like we were talking about this a bit before, just like setting up my coaching, ready yeah. to be doing my PCOS so fertility exciting. coaching. Yay. That's so If you're listening you. and you want to be on my um, uh, list, just you can find the links on my Instagram, on my website and stuff, and just sign up so that you're there for when I open my books, which is going to be really soon. I was going to ask, is it soon? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, gosh. I can't put a date on it because, you know. I keep sending just... people your way and you're like, I haven't opened my books yet. And I'm like, oh, but so many people want to do it. So I'm just going to keep sending them. I know. I, sometimes I've just been like, I should just like hook it up in the DMs and just like meet them on Zoom. But yeah. I don't know. I just have this in my head that I'm like, I need to set up all my systems. Yeah. Booking, well, fair enough. You know. You know. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you want to feel like when you're ready to rock and roll, it's all just going to flow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Last thing you want is exactly. being like, oh, I haven't set up my booking system and now yeah. I don't know how to like officially you know, onboard anyone or anything exactly. like that. <laughs> oh my God. That's actually so much part of it. Like the onboarding form and yeah. all that stuff. Anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's get into it. Let's do this. Gluten, <laughs> gluten, oh my God. Gluten. I actually, I don't know if I sent this to you. I feel like I might have. I saw a meme the other day yeah, that did. was like um, yep. when podcasters are like 40 minutes in and they're like, so let's just get straight into the <laughs> episode. It's like five years later. Oh, yeah, that's sorry, guys. Off. We're sorry. Yeah. But it's just, we can't help it. It's our catch up no. time for ourselves more than that's anything right. else. <laughs> As a big thank you for listening to our little podcast and for being a part of our very special PCOS Girls community. We've created a discount code that you guys can use for any of our products. Head to PCOS2Wellness.com for Bridget's products or PCOSPathways.com for my products and enter in the code PCOSGIRLS15 for 15% off. That's PCOSGIRLS15. Love you guys. All right.
right. So gluten, I think we both have very much the same belief, I guess, about gluten and PCOS. So Mm. we want to just like start by saying what that is. And that's basically just that we don't think that everybody with PCOS needs to go gluten free. We don't like the sweeping statements of that. Mm. It's the individual. Like it just comes down to you and figuring out what's right for you. And there are certain parts of PCOS, which we'll talk about, but you know, AKA inflammation, you know, if you're definitely got that more inflammatory PCOS or if that's feeding in for you, then it's a consideration Mm. to like maybe cut gluten. But yeah, just this episode is not about some sweeping statement that everybody needs to cut out gluten if you have PCOS. A hundred percent. And I just feel like it seems to be depending on, I don't know, like what accounts you're following on Instagram or like Mm -hmm. what blog posts you're looking at. Like literally there are entire accounts set up to like, go 100% gluten-free. Like that's going to solve all your problems. And it's just, I would say 90% of the time, not the case. Like there's Mm -hmm. probably a lot more going on other than just just cutting out gluten. You know what I mean? And we're going to go into that today. Um, But yeah, we want to say straight away that we do Mm. not think that it is necessary that every single person with PCOS, 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 so inclusive. Um, That should have been our podcast name, PCOS. Okay, new new name. Um, Look, yeah, so I think that that, yeah, basically what we're trying to say is it's individual and sometimes it's a bit of a trial and error. And that was certainly my experience and my case and my perspective on gluten has absolutely changed throughout the years as well. Yeah. So when you first went Mm gluten-free, was that sort of pretty soon after you were diagnosed? Yeah, that was really soon after my diagnosis and Mm -hmm. it was when my symptoms were horrendous. Like this is when I'm talking I had the huge inflammatory cystic acne all over my face. My hair was falling out left, right, and center. Mm. I just, I, I felt like my whole body felt inflamed and it was horrific. And like, you know, I'd obviously very early stages of coming off the pill as well. So I probably had a lot of like sort of that post pill sort of PCOS. And that's when I also wasn't sure if I had just post pill PCOS or if this was a more longer term type thing. Yep. Yep. So obviously had that. And also I was put on and off antibiotics for years for my skin as well before I was put Mm -hmm. on the pill. So like, you know, I had years of having been on antibiotics in my system as well. So my gut was just like super not happy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I I read somewhere because no one, like wasn't like my doctor was helping me or anything, but I did see one (laughs) of the recommendations from somewhere on my many, many hours of looking into PCOS was to cut out gluten. Mm. And I thought like at this point, truly at that point, Mm. I would have done anything because I was so depressed and anxious about what was Mm. going on. So like obviously I had the physical stuff going on, but I also did had no sign of a menstrual cycle, like literally had gone like probably at this point, seven months without having a menstrual cycle Mm. after coming off the pill and and no sign of it returning. I was really finding like I was retaining weight and I was puffy and I was bloated and it was just bad. I just knew Mm. something was wrong. So Mm. I learned a bit about gluten and how it can affect you and the inflammatory effects that it can have. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to cut it out. What, what's the worst that can happen here? It was a little bit tricky because I was pretty much well, I still am pretty much plant-based. So I mm. ate a lot of carbs and 
that mm. meant a lot of bread <laughs> yeah, um, and a lot of things like that. So I was a, a bit of an adjustment to sort of have to cut that out. Uh, but I was mm. also doing other things at the time as well that, you know, I experimented with keto and mm. I experimented with like, you know, just like obviously low carb, which is another version of keto. And I experimented mm. with high fat and just like, I was really just not sure what way to go. And I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to try all the things and mm. just see what happens. So I did it for a little while and I cut gluten out completely. And yeah, like I really felt like my body responded well. Like I really did. And I was mm. like, oh, okay, this is it. I just have to cut gluten out forever. Which was <laughs> yeah. depressive, but also like yeah. I was like, if it works, it works. And I just really didn't care. And I, I'm sure there are some people who can relate to that situation as well. Because oh, yeah. also like I just got back from my honeymoon. Like Jess, you know, we're obviously thinking about having kids sometime soon. And I was like just desperate to get my period back. <laughs> I was like, oh, mm. we'll do anything. So yeah, cut it out. And I remember though being at – we had a friend's wedding mm-hmm. and um, I forgot to tell them that I – didn't eat um like I ate fish but I didn't eat meat like chicken or beef and they were the options at the wedding and I forgot Mm -hmm. to say it so I just sort of ate the bread rolls on the table and I hadn't Mm -hmm. eaten gluten for a little while Mm -hmm. and I had two bites of this bread roll it was just Mm -hmm. like a plain white you know dinner roll kind of thing within Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say 20 minutes Mm -hmm. I had this pain in my stomach I cannot Mm -hmm. tell you it was like someone was stabbing the inside of my stomach and then an hour later, I looked like I was eight months pregnant. It was Whoa. insane. Like the reaction to it. And then two days later, acne everywhere. It's like wow. just broke out. It was insane. I couldn't believe the response I had. Yeah, wow. So that was like my first foray into like being terrified of gluten, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And fair enough. I so get that. Like, yeah, I relate to that. I feel like part of that is what I'm going through now, but I mean, you eat some gluten now. So how did that shift happen? So I really worked on, like, I I was like, I cut all this stuff out, but I didn't fully understand the implication of what I was doing or why I was doing it. And so Mm. then I was like, wait a second. Like, I really want to understand the processes and why this is happening. And then obviously, Mm. well, through my research, you know, you find out that the inflammation that a lot of people get from gluten, if you're not celiac, and I knew I wasn't celiac because... Mm. I had been eating gluten well before that, you know, and I mm. had no issues when I was on the pill and everything like that. So I knew yeah. it wasn't celiac. And then um, I sort of stumbled across like gluten intolerance. And I was like, okay, well, it could be a gluten intolerance. A lot of people actually mm. are gluten intolerant. But then also like PCOS is really, really linked to inflammation. And then you go deeper into that. And a lot of that is to do with gut health. And yeah. and that's what a, well, a lot of, I guess, gluten intolerance is to do with the lining of your gut. And that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people will have issues with that. And, and then mm-hmm. so it's hard to know like chicken and egg because the inflammation is coming from somewhere. Mm. And then you've also got nutritional deficiencies, obviously, from being on the pill, having PCOS, mm-hmm. like all those different types of things as well. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of, I, I mean, I don't know if the inflammation was caused from the gluten affecting the gut or if the gluten was just aggravating the inflammation I already had. Like I I guess I'll never really know, but that was sort of where I was at. So I started to really, really Mm. make this connection between the inflammation because obviously as well, all my symptoms at that point were extremely inflammatory based. Like you're really, really inflamed acne, you know, Mm. the, the pains in my stomach, the bloating, cramping, like all that kind of stuff. Brain fog is another one. I was having really, Mm. really bad brain fog and that's quite often um, associated with gluten intolerance as well. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're just deep diving and it's just 
like you know you're learning more and more and i mean i'm sure anyone who's done deep dive will know will heard of zonulin as well which is Mm -hmm. that affects your gut lining and 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 basically what that means is the food can cross the the part like the undigested food will partly cross across into your blood and things like that so that's leaky gut so if you've heard of leaky gut like that's also Mm -hmm. what that is so it's really really hard to know it's a a long tangent but basically (laughs) pcos and inflammation are very very linked and gluten is really, really often linked to inflammation. So it was starting to all make a lot of sense to me. And I just was like, okay, well, this does make sense. But then I started to deep dive a little bit more on different types of gluten. And is it actually the gluten to blame or is there something else going on here? Because as a lot of people know, like gluten, wheat is one of the most like highly processed, like chemically sprayed Mm. crops out there as well. So one of the other big things that can cause inflammation is obviously non-organic because you've got like endocrine disrupting chemicals on there, the process that it undertakes. And that's why I did a little experiment and I thought, okay, well, I've gone months now without having gluten, but what if I was to try introducing like a really, really high quality sourdough bread, which Mm. the gluten is not the same in a sourdough bread because it's naturally risen as opposed to having all the additives and the yeast and everything that you would just find in like regular white bread. Mm. Anyway, I tried it. And I was fine. I like just mm. a little bit. And I thought, okay, well, that's a really, really good sign. So yeah. then I started to think like perhaps it's not necessarily the gluten, but it's mm. the type of wheat wheat that I'm having. Mm. Exactly. So that's sort of where I'm at now. Yeah. And I do definitely have small amount. Well, I have sourdough quite a lot, like quite regularly, mm. but I buy a locally made organic sourdough and I love it. And occasionally I'll just have like whatever's at the cafe. I'm not, I'm not so fussy about it. I don't eat mm. like you know, a loaf of bread a day or anything, but I certainly mm-hmm. will eat bread and I have no issues with that. And then, uh, and, you know, once in a blue moon, if we're out, I'll have pasta and I have no issues. Um, so I do think my body now, I think there's two things that happened. I think that my body was just so inflamed at that time that anything that wasn't, you know, wholesome and whole food based mm-hmm. and not inflammatory was going to cause mm-hmm. inflammation back totally. then. And yeah. I think I've now healed and managed my inflammation as well as my hormones as well as like anything else that was going on in my well-being so much now that small things don't affect me as much you know small little things but I also think I swapped what I was eating and I now I'm like I'm very very conscious about like the type Mm. of wheat and bread and what Mm. potentially that gluten is coming from is going into my body and how that could be affecting it yeah totally I do really believe that if, if we can heal our bodies into being in quite a good place, I feel like the human body is meant to be able to handle things. I really do. I mm. think for the most part we, you know, are supposed to be able to eat a piece of bread without getting super sick about it. Like we mm. should be, you know, if I go to another country and I eat a type of food that I've never had, I would hope that my body could handle a small amount of that without – like, don't get me wrong, if piles and piles of some random food I've never had, of course I'm going to have a reaction yeah. to that. But I like to think that the human body can handle these things. So I really do believe that, like in this case where you've got inflammation and improve your gut health, I really do believe that if you can improve that gut health and get your gut healthy, then, a, you know, some gluten here or there should be fine. I agree. And I I'm totally not like agree. saying that as a blanket statement, really, but that's how I believe it for myself. Like yeah. I don't eat gluten now, but I in no way think that that's forever. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I think that I'm healing and that I'll get to a point where I can. Yeah. And that was exactly yeah. my experience. Like I, yeah. I healed 
I healed myself. <laughs> I'm a miracle, no, but I yeah. do think that that's what it was, is that I did, mm. to an extent, heal what needed to be healed because my body was yeah. giving me every warning sign under the sun mm. that it was not okay, you know, yeah. and yeah. it did. It, I think, you know, I went pretty extreme. I've talked about this about before mm. in my diet when I had my PCS it was really bad because it was the only thing I thought, like, I could control and that was just like cut anything out that I thought could be mm. inflammatory or be causing issues. And although I did extreme and that's absolutely not what I'm recommending, I do look back and I do think like I I probably did need to do something like that for a certain amount of time just to give my body a break and to really, really let it heal. Yeah. And true. then I've been fine ever since and I am so mm. flexible with what I eat now. Like I am, I mm. love like eating and food and it brings me so much joy now whereas for a time mm. it really stressed me out like yeah. really stressed me. what can't I eat what should I eat what I'm mm. you know what's going to flare up my symptoms what's going to be- unbalance my hormones like it was just this really stressful thing for me yeah totally but now it's not at all because I know I, I as well I've done the experimentation I know what my mm. body can and can't handle mm. That's really cool um, that you know that about yourself. And I feel like, well, first of all, if anybody wants to understand like gut health and inflammation, maybe on a deeper level, we do have an episode about that. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because in that episode, you'll hear that like when health practitioners are working with you to heal your gut, like it is a bit extreme. Like it isn't a kind of diet that is long-term. And I feel like that's kind of what you're describing to me. Like, you know, you cut out lots of things for this period of time to be able to heal that because I think, well, you're healing your gut. And so everything that goes in is affecting it. So I think that's why when a gut healing protocol happens, like it is so extreme, I guess. Yeah. But just to expand on what you were saying before about like how wheat is different, like I feel like that's really important for people to understand because I think a lot of people hear about gluten intolerance and how everybody's got gluten intolerance and there's a lot of like pushback on like it can't be, like everyone's been eating gluten for forever sort of thing. And it is true, like humans have eaten wheat for about 10,000 years. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's only in the 20th century, yeah. only about 100 years ago, that wheat became industrialised and began yes. being processed and yes. modified and sprayed with chemicals. Modified. So That's actually, the other one I didn't mention yeah. before. Like the modification that goes on is yeah. insane. That's right. Like the actual wheat we have now is entirely different to what it used to be. It used to be, um, well, hand ground, Mm -hmm. and then it was full of minerals and vitamins and protein, Mm. whereas now it is literally just a filler and it's only, like, content is carbs. So it's just not the same thing anymore. (laughs) And it makes sense that so many of us would have an intolerance, especially if we are in any kind of compromised health state, particularly with our gut. Mm. So I just wanted to really like drive that point home because it really isn't what it used to be. And this is why you hear this a lot. People will go to Italy and eat the pasta Mm -hmm. and the pizza Mm. and have no issues because yes. a lot of the places over there still grow and harvest and, mm-hmm. and make, you know, the breads and the pastas from scratch. There's, yeah. there's no processes involved. It's all organic. It's mm. beautifully farmed. Like, and they go there and they have the time of their life eating all this delicious food with, with none of the symptoms that they were getting when they were eating yeah. the pastas and the breads here. And that I think is really, really like so amazing. And it's just like, like blaring lights, like, okay, the issue is not necessary, not, ne- not necessarily <laughs> the wheat. 
it's how it is, yeah. you know, presented to you and how you're in, like digesting it, I guess, and what's what's going on there. Totally, but it also just kind of pisses me off. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like it's unfair. <laughs> I wish that we had that wheat mm. everywhere. Like, like that's so amazing, but like. I just feel almost like angry at Australia and everywhere else that has got this shitty wheat that we're using. I know. Um, I mean, you can get it here. You just have to really source it out. And this is (laughs) getting back to my recommendation last week of farmer's markets. (laughs) (laughs) This is where we buy our bread a lot because um, it's all locally made. It's all made from local wheat, local farmers, Mm -hmm. local growers, all organic. It's, you know, bakery. Oh, my God, I can't speak today. (laughs) The sleep deprivation is truly hitting me. Oh, and, um, it's real. It's a vicious cycle. But um, anyway, <laughs> that that is something you can do is, you know, if you really mm. want to be trying, if you really want to eat the breads, <laughs> which I know many of us do, you know, just think about where you're getting it from. Where mm. has that product, that bread come from? And generally speaking, it'll be advertised everywhere if they are doing the right processes oh, because totally. it's so yes. such a big deal. If you go to the supermarket and pick up a loaf of white bread that's wrapped in plastic, It's probably not going to be that great for you. Just putting it out there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Sisterhood Tea. Hi, guys. It's Bridget Warren, the founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood Tea. Sisterhood Tea is a powerful blend of herbs that has been specifically created by me to help other women like me who may be experiencing the many frustrating symptoms of PCOS and other hormonal imbalances which affect so many women. Every ingredient in Sisterhood is 100% natural and has a purpose. And most importantly, the ratio of each herb has been carefully weighed out to ensure the perfect amount is added into each bag to make it an easy and accessible way for you to manage your symptoms every day. And don't worry, I promise it tastes nice too. Sisterhood tea is a powerful holistic alternative and is suitable for all women, but has been specifically designed to help support women who may be experiencing symptoms of PCOS and other hormonal imbalances, women who've been on the contraceptive pill or are coming off the contraceptive pill, problematic skin conditions such as acne and dermatitis, fertility issues, weight management, hair loss and hirsutism, moodiness, bloating and menstrual cramps, and of course, regulating the menstrual cycle. Sisterhood tea is 100% natural, organically grown where possible, vegan, and hand-blended and packaged in Australia. The results and hundreds of testimonials for Sisterhood tea are honestly just incredible. And some of the most inspiring stories include clearing up stubborn acne, growing back hair loss, regulating their period, and even successful pregnancies after years of trying everything else. We call them our little sisterhood babies. So if you want to find out more about sisterhood tea or read some more of the amazing testimonials, head over to PCOSToWellness.com where I ship worldwide. Uh, So, okay, with PCOS and wheat, I'm not aware of any studies that, link them that link eating that cutting gluten needs to happen with pcos yeah there's so much research about the link between gluten and inflammation Mm. but in terms of the link between gluten and pcos it's not really there i mean there's Um, little bits and pieces that sort of shows like little ones like i wrote a blog post about this a little while ago so basically like 
There's nothing major, but there definitely is what we know for a fact that inflammation is one of the big factors in PCOS for a lot of people. And there is definitely a lot of research that suggests inflammation comes from autoimmune issues and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then that is linked back to possibly being linked to PCOS. So there's sort of like indirect studies. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing that specifically says like, PCOS and gluten, you can never have it. You know, absolutely That's not. That's right. But there's definitely, yeah. if you're looking at, a, it just comes down to the inflammation stuff. If you're looking at inflammation right. predominantly, you will find links. Yeah. And if you have PCOS and you have any autoimmune condition, Hashimoto's, obviously celiac, mm, but definitely. arthritis, um, like rheumatoid arthritis, any other kind of, I can't think of any autoimmune diseases right now, if you can't tell. <laughs> But um, any autoimmune condition, then that's where like considering cutting gluten becomes a bit more like yeah. supported by science. Yeah. Or if someone's ever said to you like, oh, it sounds like you've got leaky gut. Like yes, that's yes. a big warning sign because leaky gut mm. is just like an overarching name for a whole host of different conditions and issues and health yeah. concerns. So mm. that might be a good time to consider potentially cutting out gluten as well. But I, yeah. I just think... Yeah, like you just have to be so careful being like, I'm cutting out gluten unless you know why you're cutting it out. Yeah. And also I would have a plan. Like I don't think I've ever said, well, I'm cutting out gluten forevermore. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's more like. Why are you cur- why? What's your reason for currently having it cut out? Well, when I, I – so I went off it a year ago and it was a combination. I wanted to do some gut healing. Mm. Um, so there was that, but then also Alma was still having problems with her gut and I was breastfeeding. And so we'd already cut dairy and soy for ages and she still had problems. And so, yeah, a pediatrician had always said, don't cut gluten for her gluten cross into breast milk. Like it's not going to be the problem. But then I saw my functional medicine practitioner about that. And she was like, well, gluten wouldn't normally cut over into your milk unless you had leaky gut, because then the gluten is cutting over into your bloodstream. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. So I'm, I just sort of took her at face value for that. Yep. But um, yeah, so I thought, okay, I'd literally cut so many things. Like I yeah. very much cut dairy and soy, but I'd yeah. also cut, tried cutting so many things like legumes, eggs, tuna, like just so, so many, many different foods, like everything, grains, like mm. so much stuff. And so, yeah, I cut gluten. Oh, and also we wanted Koji to try going off gluten to see right. if that, if it was affecting his like state of mind really. Yeah. Um, so we took him off dairy and gluten at the same time. And then it didn't really do anything for Koji. And so we put him back on it about six weeks later. Elma, it seemed to do something. And mm. then like a month later, she just went back to having the same problem. So I was like, mm, okay. So we ended right. up putting her back on it and I was like, cool, I can go back on it. And um, I tried to go back on it and I got so fatigued. Like it was like I was pregnant. Like yeah. I just, it was like I'd been hit by a truck. I got so tired and it was just like day and night. And I thought, oh, okay, like that sucks. And then I tried it again about a week or two later and the same thing happened. So I was like, oh, okay, like that's a sign to me that I shouldn't be on it. Mm. And like the 
before when I was eating gluten, I was handling it. I wasn't getting symptoms. And this is one of the things I wanted to bring up is that not everybody who you can have a gluten intolerance. And I, I don't really understand this, but you can have a gluten intolerance and actually not be experiencing digestive symptoms. Like you might have fatigue or you might have one of the big ones is even brain joint fog. pain yes yeah, yeah. brain fog brain is really a big massive one, one. yeah you don't necessarily have any digestive symptoms and gluten can still be an issue for you and that was me yeah. so I went gluten-free having not really had an issue and when I came back though and this is what people find is when they try to go back on the gluten that's where your body's gotten used to being gluten-free yeah. and then it's like no like, yeah, no. definitely. I and think that's, that's what's happened for me. Yeah, and I think that's what happened to me. You remember what I was saying at the wedding, I'd been off it for ages and then yes. I had and I think my body was like, Whoa, like we don't have yeah. this anymore. Like this mm. is not okay. Like stabbing pains in my stomach. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. But you know, I I do think that's where you also have to think like, is it the gluten or is it the additives is it the yeast is it the high you know amounts of refined carbohydrates the other thing is if you're not eating really really good quality breads and things like that you're probably not getting the fiber which helps to balance everything out so Mm. just just a lot of and some people might have um you know they, they can't tolerate FODMAPs there's just like there's literally so many things that people go oh it's gluten and yep. it just might not be that's right the gluten so yes just got to think about it as an overarching thing yeah that's exactly right and honestly I don't even remember what it was I tried back then like I don't remember what it was but I remember like months and months later maybe like five or six months ago um I tried again Mm. and I had sourdough and it was this locally made sourdough um well, I think it was. It's from like our local fish shop and it's all like, it looks all artisan. Um, <laughs> and I tried that and I had got so bloated and I was in so much pain and it was so uncomfortable. Mm. So I was like, okay, like still not for me. Um, and I have to say like, because I feel like going off gluten is really scary for people. And it's yeah. like, you know, because it's it's a big food group. Like yeah. it's, it's in a lot of stuff. And I, I fully relate to like not wanting to cut gluten. And to this day, I st- I'm very very used to not eating gluten but man I'll be super happy if I can eat it again like it'll make life so much easier but I have to say once you actually do experience really real and direct symptoms from gluten it really spurs you on to not eat it oh a hundred percent like just going off it because you think maybe that's what's going on yeah is a bit hard but once you go oh shit like it when I eat it I feel terrible I feel terrible it's yep. like it's so much it. easier you go I don't care it. exactly yeah, right you're you like don't care. At that, and that's what I was saying before like at that point I was mm. like I would do anything exactly and when I did get instant results from cutting out um, you know, gluten, but also I was also cutting out like UML, like dairy and soy. So there was a lot of mm. stuff I was cutting out, but yeah. I knew that something was going on with the gluten or the bread or whatever, because when I was eating it, I was getting the instant reaction to it. But yes. the other thing I will say is if you are mm. going to try cutting it out, which, you know, go for it. It's your body. It's your choice. Mm. Do whatever you want to do. If you feel like that's right for you. And it, it absolutely mm. could be, mm. you got to give it time. You know, yeah. like you can't just go, I'm cutting it out for three days. Like they really say a lot of nutritionists and dietitians will say a minimum of sort of three months to really, really make sure that it's, yeah. it is that. So mm-hmm. I don't know, like you, it's really hard as well. Cause you're like, oh, I'll just have, I'll just have a little bit, you know, I'll just have to see yeah. how I go. <laughs> but that just that little bit could be, I don't know, it could really set you back. So it's just yeah. take it into consideration. 
do it how you want to do it. You, you know your body better than anyone else. Don't let anyone mm-hmm. tell you. Don't let any Instagram account tell you what you should and shouldn't <laughs> eat. I feel like that's a big one because I have so many people tell me, oh, I just saw this on Instagram and it's saying I should never eat gluten, I should never eat dairy, and it's just like, mm-hmm. wow, like just like you don't have to listen to that person. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, you could that do whatever works doesn't for you. Know you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's yeah. a, definitely an issue when it comes to PCOS in that it's just like one size fits all and it's just so not the case. And Mel and I are like perfect examples to this because we have approached our PCOS so differently. We have such different symptoms, you know, like it's just – but then there's some um, commonalities that we share as well. So it's just really like whatever works. And I love hearing what you do and you love hearing what I do because it's things that we might not have tried or thought of or – so, yeah, anyway – I think my no, that's of the right. story is that, yeah. just go with your gut. Oh, literally, <laughs> that's <literally>. right. You, <laughs> like, you know yourself better than anybody. You know your body more than anybody. You need to be your own advocate, but also like you're in charge of your body. Like you're yeah. the boss of it. So it's up to you and you can take in all the information, but then it's up to you to discern what you do with that. But I want to say like for all the accounts out there and all the people out there saying, just go gluten-free for your PCOS, it's the answer. Like I am a living example of that not being true. I have mm. been off gluten for 12 months. I still have symptoms. Mm-hmm. It hasn't actually, when I eat it, it, feels awful and I'm clearly need to keep not eating it until that's not true but I actually don't feel very different at all to when I when I used to eat it like I'm not better from it and that's the thing is that (laughs) I honestly feel like I could say quite confidently that I'm gonna say 90 just to be conservative but conservative (laughs) but like 90% of people are not going to get rid of all their PCOS symptoms by simply cutting out gluten. There is other stuff going on. And that Mm -hmm. is why I was saying, I think I had the inflammation already there. The gluten, you know, sort of triggered it off, set it off. Maybe it wasn't gluten. Maybe it was the yeast. Maybe it was additives. Maybe it was other stuff in that, in those products. Who knows? But there was root causes going on and they're Mm. what needs to be fixed. And unfortunately the gluten was just a little trigger that sort of set everything off. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important to note because you just, yeah, you just mm. don't. I just, I just don't know how anybody is out there being the person who says that this is the only answer. Like PCOS <laughs> just isn't like that. It's just not. But yes, absolutely. Inflammation side of things, gluten can be so driving of that. Yeah. So, yeah, if you've got inflammation, if you do have another condition that's an autoimmune condition, then it's definitely a bigger consideration. But yeah, whatever you, if you do decide that you want to cut out gluten, I would also recommend that you talk to someone about that and go yeah. and see a nutritionist, dietitian, naturopath, functional medicine, whatever. Go and talk to somebody about it and make a plan. Because I also think that when you are doing any kind of restriction, to me personally, it feels better when there is a plan and I can mm. see that it's sort of, it's not just this endless lifelong decision. Because it's a that's huge a good food point. Group. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And that's yeah. why you might, even if you're just sort of um, being like, oh, I'm just going to experiment a little bit. And you might just go, but I'm going to do this for three months, you know, and put a yes. timeline on it and then go after three months, okay, it hasn't worked or it has worked. Now reassess, like, what are we going to do now? And the same mm. thing is if you have cut out gluten because you thought that was the thing to do and you haven't had gluten for years, months, whatever, 
Maybe you could retry. Maybe you could go and buy a beautiful sourdough bread and have a little bit and just see what happens. You might yeah. find that there's no issues. You might be able to slowly reintroduce it. Your body might be healed enough now that it can, mm. as Mel said, like tolerate more that we should be able mm. to tolerate because we have been eating wheat <laughs> for as long as anyone can remember because that was one of the first things that we started eating, you know, like that was grains and everything. That was one of the things. And it wasn't until we started really processing it and really commercializing it, I guess, that it became mm. a, a bit of an issue. And that was like even um, zonulin, which is that mm. it's like the component of gluten that it can affect the lining of your gut. That's only been discovered in the last 20 years. Yeah, isn't that wild? So we don't <laughs> even have much information it. on this. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's really wild. So I think, yeah, do do yourself a favor and listen to your body and literally follow your gut and see where that takes you. <laughs> yeah. Hope yeah. that's helpful. <laughs> Eat all the gluten. No, joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you have a great week. If you want to, you could leave us a little review. We would love that. Make yeah, our day. Make our day. Come follow <laughs> us on um, IG. We're, like, having a great time over there, Mel and I. We've got our own accounts, and then we've got the PCOS Girl account and then five mm-hmm. other million accounts in between there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Just doing our best, guys. Doing our yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bye, guys. See you later. Bye.